This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. 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 Support is one of the most pivotal elements that sits unnoticed behind action. Those that sit in the spotlight did not get there alone. There is an army that sat behind them and facilitated that ability to be seen and accomplish greatness. Faceless, nameless, and unrecognized are the people who are responsible for the safety and well-being of those doing the work. In the modern world, there is no such thing as clandestine or rogue and those that sit behind the curtain bear immeasurable weight and onus to those they support. The true unsung hero is the one who selflessly goes behind the scenes and makes sure everything is in order. While they are out of harm's way, they are never without pressure. The success or failure to those that are beholden to a heavy weight and burden on their soul. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and welcome to The Suffering Podcast. If you're a fan of overcoming adversity and overcoming suffering, then we're for you because that's what we do here and that's the stories we highlight. So do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, please comment, ring the bell so you can get notified of all of our new content. Now you can join. Follow us on all social media so you can find out what we're up to. On this episode of the Suffering Podcast, we've been waiting to get somebody in here just like this for a long time and we want to welcome Nancy Nugent to discuss the suffering of a dispatcher. Because you guys really are the unsung heroes. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Thank you. We wouldn't Thank be able you. to get to where we got to get to. <laughs> Before we get into anything, let's throw a big shout out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota Hackensack. We don't trust anybody as police, but we do trust them. So go to toyotahackensack.com and let them find you a car. So Nancy, each week we take a question from one of our audience members. This week's question comes from Slippery424. How do you get out of your negative thoughts? Kind of a random question. It is, but I have a very, very easy answer for me. For me, I go out into the woods. I go hiking, take the dog out, just an hour or so out on a trail, and my mind is just totally cleared, just being out in nature. Sometimes the the trees, they talk to you. Like if you quiet down and you're sitting out in in the wilderness all alone – and just listen to the to the trees rustle. Yep. They're talking to or you. Even the, the, the rustling of the leaves, like you're walking on and all that stuff. Yeah. Just... And I've done that. I'll stop in the middle of the trail and just, you know, they call it forest bathing, I think. But you just listen. <laughs> they do. I actually go a little, I'm like, you have to do it for an extended period of time to actually consider bathing. But, you know, just even for a minute or two, I'll just stand there and just listen. Um, and that's, I consider that my church. That's, it's it's that's a nice way to calm your mind until you run into cocaine bear. Well, that has not happened yet. That has not happened. I probably Googled about him while I was hiking because I heard about it, but that has not happened yet. No bears at all, thankfully. Mike, what do you think? You, you know, you and I have gone through a period where our thoughts were almost 100% neg- negative. And, and that was just this week. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the sun ra- rose the next day. And so how did you get out of it? Yeah, you know, it's usually exercise. You know, I mean, back before my neck surgery, it used to be running. Mm. You know, I, I'm having a bad day. I just go out and go running. Now it's just go to the gym or... You just got to find that 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 spot where you're comfortable, your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, the gym's always been my comfort zone. You know, the statistic is <clears throat> that eighty percent of our thoughts are negative. I believe that. That's crazy, right? Yeah, eighty percent of our thoughts. As a child, it's much less, but as you grow up, because you see, because kids aren't jaded yet. No, yeah, that's that, <laughs> that's what it comes from. It comes from <clears throat> getting jaded. You know, so you try to approach things with gratitude, right? right. This is this is how I view getting out of my negative thoughts. And everybody, uh, not everybody, but there's a, there's a vast majority of people who think that if uh, joy will bring gratitude, okay, it's actually reversed. Gratitude will bring joy. You know, so you got these people out there, if I hit the lottery, then I'll be grateful for everything. How many people you see or you, right. you watch on TV hit the lottery and are absolutely miserable? It didn't bring them any joy. But the people who take a look around and look around at their surroundings and what they do, what they did obtain or what they have, whether it's their family or whether it's their dog or whether it's, you know, their job, whatever it may be. If you're joyful in what you have already, then all of a sudden you can have that, that gratitude, you know, and you're grateful for the things you have. And then you, then all of a sudden that joy comes in secondary. And then actually, if I can't take in that comment, just with exactly what I do as a dispatcher, I have actually thought that a lot because I hear things on the phone. You hear things like, oh, you know, some great, some awful. And I've taken some of those things like, wow, selfishly, maybe I sit there. I'm glad that's not me. Yeah. I'm grateful I have this or I'm grateful. <clears throat> that you, you know, don't have this. Right. Yeah. That I'm not dealing with this. <clears throat> maybe I'm not the richest person in the world, but I'm not dealing with that problem. I hope I can help them, but I'm not, I'm not going home to that. 
Yeah. It, it, it's the, so for me, it's just getting, that's how I get out of my negative thoughts. I just, I, I, it takes me some time. I'm not a master at it. Right. Trust me when I tell you, none of us are, are going to be yeah. masters at it. Well, we've, we've gone through where we didn't want to get out of our negative times. Right. We were yeah, comfortable like, there. Yeah. You get so comfortable in that negative spot, you just you dig that hole and you just want to stay there. You don't yeah. want anybody to come. All you want them to do is throw dirt on you, not help you get out. <laughs> push you down. Push you, And that's why misery loves company, yeah. too. Absolutely. You, know, you, you sit down at any time, any of these power drinking bars, and you'll if you're looking for misery, you'll find it. You'll find it. So, Slippery424, thank you for sending that one in. Keep sending in your questions, and we will try to get them on the air. So, we had this very... Interesting introduction. Uh, was it? Did you reach out to me on social media? Was that was that how it started? So what happened? I'm trying to think of how you made contact first. I reached out to you on after listening to your podcast, which I found I'm kind of nosy. Someone that I love very dearly was going is still going through some things, but going through some things, and was contacted by somebody. And me being nosy, like, oh, I need to Google who this person is. You can mention the name. Bill Mazer yeah. is his name. Um, <clears throat> And so I was Googling him to find out who he was, found out that he was on a podcast. All right, let me see who this person is. It was your podcast, found out that's in New Jersey. And then it just went, you know, I listened to a few and just reached out and said, it's a great podcast. Have you ever thought about having a dispatcher on? And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> we, we thought for a long time about having a dispatcher on. But it's hard to get, especially an active dispatcher. Yeah. It's hard to get an active dispatcher on there because there's, there's two ways dispatchers go. You have your career dispatchers and then you have your dispatchers looking to do their time to try to get on. Yep. Yeah. And Start paying into the pension system. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's hard to get an active dispatcher because departments, there's a lot of clearance. Yeah. You know, when we have active cops in here, we have to make sure that their department's okay with it. You yeah. know, and there's, there's restrictions, obviously. Uh, and we went through that vetting process with you, yeah. making yeah. sure that that was okay. But so Billy, it's, it's a very interesting story how Billy came back into, into or came into our lives. We were at Blue Magazine. Blue Magazine. Um, they were having a moment of silence dinner and Josh Vidal was there who was an Atlantic city officer got shot in the head and standing next to him. All of a sudden he goes, Hey, Kevin, I didn't recognize him. I went to high school. I went to high school. We both went to high school in South Jersey and, uh, we reconnected, had him on the show and he is responsible for saving so many lives. And I always say, although he was deputy chief of Atlantic city, what he's doing now is so much more important. Yeah. Yeah. So, he went to high school in South Jersey. How come he's smart and you ended up like this? Oh, he matriculated very quick. <laughs> it's got something to do with it's got something to do with it. I got uh, you know what? He had a good family life. I guess that's, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. So Nancy, I know a little bit about you, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I am a Jersey girl, tried and true. I've tried a couple times to get out, always come back. I think I'll be here probably forever, you know. You know, I've um, traveled coast to coast, <laughs> north and south, east and west. I've traveled the whole country. There was like two places that I would ever move to. And one of them would have been Las Vegas, but I heard that's not it. And the other one would have been San Diego. San but, Diego's beautiful. But I heard that's that's going yeah. downhill as well. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. You it know, is. they it all is. have their Costco's, their CVS's, their Walgreens. They all have, it's it's pretty much the same, except we pay a ton of taxes. But some well, places taxes. have year round warm weather, which I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I don't know I whether that's a good thing. Tomatoes. I need the seasons. Yeah, I need seasons. And I've actually done a half cross-country road trip. And you still, you get back here. And especially where we are in North Jersey, you can be in the city, the country, the beach yeah. within an hour or less. You yeah. have everything, anything, food, you know, entertainment that you want, any direction. I go. am not living anywhere where I have to travel more than 20 minutes to get to Walmart. Oh. Well, yeah, that too. Uh, it, when I was out in the Midwest, I was out in uh, the Dakotas. It is one of the most my, I don't I don't understand how people live out there because it is so and I apologize to any of anybody's listening from yeah, that area. Yeah, that's a good way of getting us listeners yeah. from that area, Kev. <laughs> it is so it. damn flat. Yeah. I mean, the only I've thing good there. about the Midwest is Austin, Minnesota, where Spam is made. That's the home of the Hormel company, which I've been to Spam Town, USA, which is why I'm such a big fan. Can't say I've even eaten Spam, but Oh god, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, you should try it. You, you've had Taylor Ham though. Obviously, and it is Taylor Ham. It is not pork roll, so don't even try it. Here we go. Don't even try it. Here I just read. Hey, listen, I, I I read the package, and the package says Taylor Ham pork roll. It's Taylor Ham, <laughs> and it's two against one for that. So. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, even the Taylor Ham company has settled that dispute. 
Have they really? Oh, yes, they have. Well, Trenton, they have. Trenton settled it too. They're the pork roll capital of the world. Yeah. They're not exactly. to tell him, but. So it's, it's, well, again, so traveling coast to coast, North, I've been living in North Jersey for much longer than I lived in South Jersey. It's, you know, what was it? Thir- uh, 22 years or 22, 25 years versus 17 years. Right. Um, so when I was traveling all over the country, first of all, I was traveling at a time when the Sopranos were on and everybody asked, well, yeah. where are you from? I said, I'm from where does they film the Sopranos? That, that was pretty much it. <laughs> But the difference, the differences are, is North Jersey people have this way, and it's North Jersey, it's not South Jersey, have this way of, um, even when they're they're wrong, they're right. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll fight Absolutely. you to the end. Yeah, even yeah. when they're they'll wrong, they're right. To the end. Yeah. It's like this is white. No, it's not. It's like beige. No, no it's, no. it's, it's white. white. It's yeah. black. It's, the letters are black. Letters are black. Everything else yellow is on white. It. Yeah. Right. Everything else is white. So that's, um, but what's it about the state that is so drawing to you? I I think it's, again, what I said before, you know, you can have any anything you want within less than an hour. You know, you're not sitting there, oh, I want to go to the beach. All right, pack up. We've got to drive three hours to get there. Or I want to go to the city. I love that too. I'm not a big city person, but I love when people, you know, who've never been to New York, they're like, oh my God, New York. I'm like, it's just New York. Like, whatever. Yeah, I see it every day. Like, it's, that's what I say, you know, we, we grew up, I mean, the area we're from. Yeah. The skyline's right in our backyard. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it every day growing yeah. up. And it's, it's like, eh, there it is. People are like, oh my God, the big... I'm like, it's New York. It's, yeah. it's well, yeah, that's, that's how you tell a tourist in New York. You, yeah. Their heads are up. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, the... It's true. But I've taken people to New York and it's fun to see it yeah. with tourists because then you're kind of like the tourist. But then I've gone, you know, doing my cross-country trip and other places I've traveled. You see other cities you're like... Yeah, that's not a city. New York is a city, you know. Um, I, just, I just went to the city last week with uh, a couple from North Carolina. Okay. They were like, the, hus- the the wife lived up here prior. The husband was like astonished in New York. You know, I brought my kids into New York City for the first time. I've kind of shielded them from it. I brought them into New York City last year. And we're walking straight through Times Square. I'm like, oh yeah, here's here's where they dropped the ball. Oh, and that guy with his pants at his ankles playing with himself. <laughs> that's something you're never going to see anywhere else. And that's that's the welcome to New York. The, the, welcome yeah. to New York. Yeah, smelling weed on every corner now. It's it's really bad. And it's it's drifted over the river a little bit, smelling mm. the weed on every corner. Yeah. you know, or behind every car as you're driving. But you know, the odd thing about that is, is if you smoke a cigarette in the middle of New York City, somebody will yell at you. But they will not say anything about you smoking a joint out in the middle of Times no. Square. But the thing that does drive me, I mean, go for the weed thing, good. But the people who you're clearly behind them. And you, know, you can smell the cigars, but then you smell the weed. And it's like, you're yeah. technically not supposed to be doing that while you're driving. But okay. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know. Well, that's I, as long as they're in front of you and not behind you. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I can't stand the smell of that. I'd rather smell a cigar than weed. I don't, there's just something about that smell. I, I, I had a UPS driver. Yeah. A UPS driver. I'm driving behind it. I'm driving my son to school and I'm like... And I'm looking around, and and as I'm driving, it's following me. I'm like, that UPS driver smoking weed. Yeah. UPS driver. I don't. I I'm not so sure people understand. They. I have a feeling there are people who think, oh, it's like a cigarette. I'm allowed to yeah. do it now. You know. Yeah, it's it's I, really not. It's not my. You know. So where where did you grow up? So I did grow up in North Jersey, small town, and moved one county away, which is only five minutes from that small town. So it's yeah. So you're a local girl. Through I am and through. a local girl. Yeah. Caldwell's never, and never, then moved closer. Never yeah. Caldwell's. The Caldwell's. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Never stray far from the nest. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. I know. I know way too many people in the Caldwell's. Where'd you go? To, you went to James Caldwell, or did you go to? I did not. I am the or West Essex. West neither, Essex. Neither. I am not so happy to say I am a snotty private school. Brat. Seton Hall Prep. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Couldn't. No. All no that's all boys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Starts with an M, ends with an A, and that's all we'll say about that. Starts with an M, ends with an A. I'm going to be thinking about that one for the rest of the night. So you want me to just tell you? And yeah, good not, to, sure. Well, MKA for short. No, MKA. Yeah. Montclair, Montclair Kimberly Montclair Academy. Montclair Kimberly Academy, yes. Oh, Martin Luther King Academy? <laughs> she went to MLK. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> no, right, So, But uh, um, do you, any college, or did you, you end at high school? Nope, I, I did end up going to college. I went to, it was then, well, I started out in Gettysburg, I lived a bit of a sheltered, like, sheltered then. Now I look back and be like, yes, completely understand because my life is better for it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> went away to Gettysburg, was exposed to the, oh, my parents aren't here to tell me, forgot I was supposed to study. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a not a great end to the first semester. Um, had some things, you know, family member, a fam- very close family member passed away during that time. Um, 
So I came back for the second semester, ended up leaving and had to start all over. Went to what was then Caldwell College. It's now Caldwell University. And that's where I ended up. Had a much better GPA. And that's when I graduated. Well, you were living at home? Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Did you have a job when you went to Caldwell College? Uh, just on vacations and like summer vacation and then Christmas. Okay. Yeah. But usually when you have a job, you, do, you end up doing yeah. better. Yeah. A little bit better time management. <clears throat> and, you know, my parents, like, yeah. Just, <laughs> or when you have to pay for college yourself, then yeah. you wind up doing real well. Yeah. That was my yeah. thing. Or you're I'm, reminded of other ways that, you know, because I knew paying for you. I so. knew how much it cost me when I missed a class in college. I knew exactly because I was paying for the whole thing. Oh, I was still paying for it. Like I'm not. A, I don't know if my parents even knew. I'm, I will admit this now. You know, however many years later, my first semester GPA at Gettysburg was a 1.25, and that is even I saw that. I was like, oh, that's not good. Well, if you're gonna do something, do do it well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it well. It was. You know, I had that exposure, and I look back. I'm like, all right, I had it. You know, I'm not. I don't need to. I'm not a partier. It's funny. Like I, I did it. I'm good. Well, what did you good. study when you were when you were? Caldwell or Gettysburg? Uh, Gettysburg, I didn't know. She didn't yet. study anything I didn't Gettysburg. Study. <laughs> I studied, you know, how many cases of beer could I sneak into my room. Sorry, Mom. But um, no, Getty, at Caldwell College, I ended up going into communications and then fell into a criminal justice, ended up doubling majoring in criminal justice. Um, I had to pick those, you know, you need to take this class or pick an elective to fill your. And I took intro to criminal justice. I figured that's the class I probably will not fall asleep in. Ended up loving it. Um, and asked if I could minor in criminal justice. They said, you have enough time to major if you want. And I said, all right. And I ended up doing that. So what was the draw to criminal justice? Just the, the people and the things like what makes people do what they do. What makes Criminals, people tick. Yeah, what makes them tick. Now I kind of look back like, oh, I should have gone to psychology or forensic psychology or something. But back then I wasn't, you know, I hadn't experienced yet what I've since experienced. So I didn't think that far into it. Well, that, that was not like... You still weren't going on that career path. Was law Not enforcement something even. that you saw? No. 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 I had my grandfather was a cop who retired. He was a Nutley sergeant, retired in 1968. So before I was even born. Wow. And, you know, he would ended up, he still worked after he retired. He was the church crossing guard on Sunday. So we'd go down to Nutley. He'd always be up at the top of the hill. And, you know, he would talk about it, but never where I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. You know, the idea of blood and guts and bad people and all that <laughs> was not something I ever thought. <clears throat> Um, but I just started thinking that route and I applied, you know, I took the civil service test. I did not do well on that because <laughs> filling in the little circles, I don't, I don't test well like that. I it took a, it used to get me dizzy. Yeah. yeah. I took a similar test, you know, but it was, you had to actually answer the questions and aced it for out of state. Um, actually, you know, so started taking tests, started, you know, getting interviews and stuff. And I actually did get hired by a federal law enforcement agency, Went as far as going to, it was U.S. Customs at the time, because this is 99, so pre-9-11, pre-everything. And um, went as far as down to Texas, where my I was going to be assigned, you know, met people I was going to work with, sized up for uniforms before I was going to go to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. And I got down there, and I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, why? It was October. It was 80 degrees. A guy who was from Maryland who's already working there, he's like, oh, this is nothing. It's like 150 in the summer. Don't worry. And I realized I'm not, I'm doing something that I really don't want to do. This is not me. Plus, I hate running. So the idea of running at the academy was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. Try to push that <laughs> round peg into that yeah. square hole. It never yeah. works. Um, <clears throat> so instead of going to Fletzy, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, I got on a plane and went home. And my mom said, she's like, we knew you were going to come home. You know, we just had to let you find your way. <clears throat> so when I got home, Jeez, oh, excuse me. you grew up vastly different. If I did that, man, I'd get my ass beat. My no, father would drag no. me back onto the plane. Yeah. No. My, my parents were very supportive. They just kind of knew. They let me. Well, what did, did, they ever did they ever let go to you why they knew? I think they just knew from, you know, I'm kind of a homebody. I think they just knew from just my personality and how I've always been. And even with going to law enforcement, I don't think they saw me out there screaming at criminals, chasing down criminals. <laughs> they know how, I mean— even I to this day will say, like, if you ever had to send me to clear a house, you jump out of a, you know, jump out for, and I'm going to, I'm going to scream and Running run. Away. So, yeah. And I've told friends, like, there's no way I'd ever do that. You know, like, I'd be. Well, I think if I could, and I don't know you all that well, but uh, so the first time you experience anything new mm -hmm. in life, mm -hmm. whether it's going to the federal law enforcement academy or clearing a house or anything, you always react, you if it's not something you're used to, you always react as if you were a child. Right. All right. So when you're when you're scared, you know, you'll you'll revert back to that instinctual emotion. But once you've seen it a couple of times, 
It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, what's it? Still scares the shit out of you, but you, yeah, well, you just, you, you, you learn how to, how to handle it. Like, oh, okay, I felt this before. <laughs> to this day and age, again, I know people are going to hear this. I, they're hearing things they probably don't know about me, whatever. Um, I'm now 48 years old. I'm still terrified of balloons. Gunshots, I'm getting a little better with. I'm it, over the thunderstorms. It, it, it right? No, no, not it. Not it, the clown. Not, no. It's the anticipation. So I see a kid in a restaurant, or, you know, holding the balloons, rubbing. I'm like, it's going to pop. It's going to pop. Oh, my. And I freeze. You're afraid of, you're afraid of balloons. Popping. Any sudden loud noises that I don't know what's going to happen. So if you even think about like slamming the table now or saying, hey, we're going to do this any second, I will be sitting here with major anxiety. Kev, when you vetted her, you should have found out. We would have had balloons like behind a curtain. That's my next question. That's my next question. My next question to every guest that comes in there is like, what's your biggest fear? Like if it's spiders, I'll have a big spider, you know, just to make you comfortable. Yeah. No, see, I'm smart and that's it. No. Apparently what happened, someone in the neighborhood when I was two and a half fooling around thought, hey, let's set off an M80 behind her. Scared the crap out of me. So now <laughs> kind of people I'm scarred for life. <laughs> I, I what so kind of people did you grow up with? This was a, a family friend that stayed a family friend, still is. Um so I guess flashbangs are out for you too then. Yeah. Anything, yeah. anything. Yeah. So it's not even the noise. I've gone shooting before, but it took me forever. I'm standing there, and the friend I was with, you can do it. I'm like, right, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's the anticipation. The noise itself, I don't care. It's well, that's that's a sure recipe for not being able to shoot is anticipating the bag. Yeah, because then you put them in the ground. Yeah, you, you clench and push clench forward. and pull them, pull them yeah. down. <clears throat> so therefore, if I was ever a cop, had to clear a house, like, okay, are they going to jump out? Are they going to jump out? Uh, you know, so... <laughs> Being on the phone side of it is a much safer place. So that me. one event when you were a child yeah. made you hypervigilant to popping sounds or whatever it may be. So you hate those little crack poppers? If it happened, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Fireworks. I think I was, what am I, 48 now? So I was 46, 47 when I finally sat through my first fireworks show without freaking out. Yeah, I still don't like fireworks to this day. Yeah. Ever, since, yeah. ever since my shooting, I, I just can't do it. If I see them, I'm fine with them. But if they, like you said, if they go off behind me or something... Once they get started, I'm yeah. fine. It's the anticipation. It's something with that anticipation. So how did this lead you into getting into dispatch? So what happened? Still thinking, okay, I came home from Texas. What am I going to do? There is a part-time job advertisement for a police matron in one of the North Jersey towns. I was like, all right, I'll try that. I can do that. Maybe I'll get my foot in the door. We'll see what happens. Another thing I've never experienced before. So I remember... And for those who don't know, at the time, we were just getting into the time where, oh, maybe we don't want male police officers patting down female prisoners. That can lead to all kinds of problems. The whole sexual harassment thing was coming out. So they trained civilians to come in when they had females that'd be on call. We had a lot of shoplifters in that particular town. We'd come in and pat them down. The first one I ever get, she's detoxing from heroin. Every possible thing that could be going wrong. Not everybody showers regularly. No. No. And I believe she threw a used feminine product at one of the officers. I'm like, oh, great. And they usually put things where they're not supposed to be. Right. I just saw one of the greatest police searches by a female of a male, of a, of a male suspect. She takes her arm like this straight through the legs and goes. Oh. And if he was hiding anything up there, she would have. It, it was out, actually yeah. it was actually a really good way in a, in a tough situation for the opposite gender to search somebody. He, she just put her arm through and went up hard. And, and you could tell she wasn't kind to the guy. Did she bring tears to his eyes? Um, <laughs> she might have. It's one way of controlling the guy, too. Yeah. He, he's not going to fight after not, that. Yeah. But think about what she did. She didn't grab anything. No. She didn't pet it, but she made the scene safe. Right. It was. Right. I, I thought it was a brilliant move by, by a, a female officer searching a male. Right. But turn the tables. Oh, uh, yeah, we can't do that. And that's, that was just starting, so they figured, all right, let's use females. So this particular individual, she's detoxing in the cell. She has to go to the hospital. Take her to the hospital. I have to go in with the, the doctor. I just remember thinking the doctor pulls up her shirt and just all the, you know, incision, the marks, track marks. I was like, it looks like a freaking raisin. Like, I've never seen this. I had nightmares for about that individual for a week. How do people get that way? Why do they? Because once she was... Help in the, when are we going to county? I want to go to county. I want to see my friends in county. I'm like, how do people get to that point? Well, heroin is one of the worst drugs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I've and this was 20 plus years ago, so it wasn't even to the extent that it is. But know, like going today. to county, that that's their safe place. Yeah. yeah. That's where all their friends are. And sure yeah. enough, you walk in, hey, how you 
you do? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. And me living the sheltered <clears throat> little life that I did, I had nightmares about her for the first week. Then I, as you said before, you know, once you do it a few times, it's like, okay, whatever, let's just get this done, you know? Yeah, it's because it's unpleasant. It is. It's, you know what I used to do, especially when female, uh, there, there's one I've told this story on the air before. There was a, they used to go to uh, Pen, uh, Newark to buy their heroin and then ship it back to Pennsylvania, but they were all using, so they would yeah. stop in my town and use. Yeah. Well, girl was ODing in one of the parking lots and everybody in there, they were all cutters. And if yeah. you don't know what cutter is, um, people are very numb and they, they, they'll cut themselves just so they feel something, even pains, a, something that they want to feel. And it just cuts all over the arm yeah. and all these, there, there was one male and three females, the females overdosing. And, um, I said, you got five minutes to search yourself. Give me what you, cause I know they had something on him. Well, I knew she wasn't going to give me everything. And she goes right down in the front of her pants, pulls it out of her monkey. Yep. <laughs> and um hands me it goes like this here you go yeah. I'm like hold on hold that out hold that out and i go open up the bag i'm like all right drop, drop it in it, yeah. but she didn't take it all out i didn't know she went but she ended up ODing <laughs> as well but so i had to go to the hospital with this girl and this is how bad of a drug heroin is she cut her lady parts Oof. with a yeah yeah i was like, what the hell this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my life it is and i Hate this, but you you will you know flash forward to what we do today when we're looking up people and dispatch you know even just license pictures or we're checking criminal histories where you see what they used to look like what they used to yeah. look like amazing and you'll sit you're like wow <clears throat> do you ever see that meth faces I was just gonna say yes, meth, the faces like, of meth it's yeah. like or even just you know if we're looking at mugshots and it's the mugshots through years and you're like oh my god yeah and it's just from drug use or you know well you know the sad part about that is and I know marijuana being legal now has its uses. I, th I believe it's abused. My opinion. Um, there is no person on heroin that ever started with heroin. Right. There was no person on meth that ever started with meth. Right. It usually either starts with prescription. Now it's prescription pills, yeah. prescription pills or marijuana. They call it gateway drugs. That's, and and <laughs> so I, t I tell this to my kids. I was like, you know, you don't know if you're going to be that person that takes one hit, or takes one prescription pill and get hooked because right. you could do it once and never do it again. But you don't know whether because unfortunately, if they had any genes from me, they got the addictive <laughs> gene in them. Addictive yeah. personality. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a, you just don't know. And the scary thing is, you know, with the addition of fentanyl <clears throat> out there, the number of overdose calls I'm getting has increased just in a few months. In a year, has increased incredibly. So you know incredibly. the greatest thing I heard about fentanyl. So uh, the one of the, the cartel that El Chapo had. Okay, yeah. whoever, whatever that cartel's name is, they put out a decree. If you are selling our product and you put fentanyl in there, we will come and not only kill you, we will kill your family as well. Because, they, you know, it's mostly cocaine for them. Right. Um, and that's their business. That's their business. <clears throat> so they've actually put a hit out on anybody illegally putting fentanyl in their product. <laughs> I have not heard that, but I'm safe. So we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're good. You're not dealing fentanyl, are you? Okay. From nothing. behind the desk. <laughs> well, if you die, let me let's talk afterwards. You got it. <laughs> so you you get in the police matron. So I get into the police matron. I'm walking down the hall one day, and a captain of that department calls out, "Hey, Nance, we're applying for dispatchers. Why you know we're hiring? Why don't you apply?" And I'm like, "Uh, now I'm thinking. Well, now you want me to try and save somebody's life over the phone? That's all I knew about it. You know, yeah. I don't know if I can do that. I can't. I can't. How am I going to do this? All right, man. I need a job." I'll do it. Took the little, at that time, it was a little test, you know, just how fast can you type? Can you listen? Because dispatching is 99% listening skills. And being an um, octopus. The old, yeah. the old, much. Multitasking. The multitasking. Multitasking is key. At its um, finest. So needless to say, they hired me. So I worked for them for about a year. Got taken away by a department nearby who, you know, it was like our sister department. I would talk to them on the phone all the time. Somebody, one of the bosses actually called up like, hey, we talk to you all the time. You're very good at what you do. Come here. We pay this much more. Dollar signs got me. Was the worst mistake I ever made because the department I'd started with, they were fantastic. I loved going to work. I loved getting up. I loved going to work. It was like going to hang out with my family all the time. Um, so that second department I went to, I worked a very weird schedule where it was 16 hours Friday, Saturday, eight hours Sunday, Monday through Thursday off. It was great for a little while. I got bored, found another job. Completely out of dispatch. It was in fraud investigations. Left dispatch for a while and did that for many, many, many years. From that, went into <clears throat> federal investigations. 
um, where I was doing backgrounds on people going for security clearance and stuff. And that company ended up folding. I was the new kid. I got laid off. I was looking for a job, looking for a job. Put out on Facebook, I need a job if anybody knows. And a then um, supervisor at the department I, I started with said, hey, we're looking for dispatchers. I know you're certified. You just have to probably get recertified. Come. And so I did. I got recertified, took the class again, started working there, was there for a number of years. So what um, years are we talking about here? So when I went back, it was 2014. Okay. And what year did you start? I started in, it was probably end of 99, early 2020. So aside from the technical version of what you do as a dispatcher, what is something that you learned that they didn't teach you in a school or class or a certification? Everything. Everything. Well, what is the, what is the the job training? What is one on the job training that you learned? Because I could tell you right now what I told our dispatchers. If you see me walking in that door undoing my keepers, leave me alone. Don't ask me for a cigarette break. Yeah. Leave me alone. I'm it's Well, that is yeah. It's a bad move. You learn that by personality, not necessarily the job. Um, I'll never forget I'm coming in ripping off keepers. She's like, Can I go out for a cigarette? I just do that. And I go right into the base. Go do this. Number two. So you get to know you get to know your your guys and girls, but the girls are usually, they'll communicate, hey, I got to go do this. Can you? The guys, it's just, you got to kind of read their body language. Yeah. <laughs> and, when they're walking stiff legged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the quick walk into the yeah. bathroom. Yeah. You're like, all right, they're not going to be available. The duck you know? walk. Girls, will com- we will communicate. <clears throat> Women communicate with each other. You guys, you know, love you dearly, but yeah, you got to figure it out. So yes, that, you know, try not to send somebody at the very last minute. Of course, the ever famous Q word, you know, never, ever, ever mutter the Q word. What's the Q word? You're going to make me say, well, nothing can happen here, but the word quiet. Oh, it's very quiet. Yo, oh, oh, yeah. God. oh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 See, no, it's no, gotten no, so no. bad you yeah. can't, yeah. Yeah. Because when you say it's very, it happens, all of a sudden everything explodes. Yeah, it's just the, the board everything. lights up. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, one of those nights, I wish something would just happen just to yeah. tell yeah. me something to do. Yeah. That's that's both yeah. of us. Both of us, our, yeah. our worst event happened when yeah. everything was quiet. Yeah, and my my... Worst or longest or most memorable calls. It was always on a day, nothing, nothing. My, my shooting happened at two twenty-seven in the morning on a Tuesday morning. What the hell? Is, nothing's going on. There. Nothing's going on at that point. So I've only worked a few. I'm not a night person. So the few times I had to work night shifts, blessfully nothing. I kind of wanted something to happen because I I'm cranky at night. I'm not a good night person. Um, but I found currently it seems to always be at shift change in the afternoon because yeah. I work two. I kind of overlap two or three shifts um, with my current schedule. It's always at that afternoon shift change. There's a certain number of hours where everything just. See, for a dispatch, for for, <coughs> for, for us, I don't know about, I, I'm pretty sure this is the way you were. I, when we were working eight hour shifts, I enjoyed working the, the afternoon shift because you got, you were busy. Yeah. And I liked, I liked yeah. being busy. I didn't like, you know, I wasn't a person to go bed down or hide or anything. Right. Makes the time go faster. But as, but I've also sat the desk. The, the worst time because we we they when the towns were laying everybody off we had to sit the desk right and I came in early during Hurricane Irene I think it was Hurricane Irene I just <clears> oh <throat> no no it was the bad snowstorm we had at at, at the end October. of October yeah. yeah it was right after yeah. Hurricane Irene <clears throat> so I said you know what I'm going in early I get there my shift didn't start till two forty five I get there at like twelve thirty I sat at the desk and didn't move until about midnight yep. And that was, and there was three of us in there. And we usually our, our dispatch was manned by one person, but there was three of us in there and we couldn't keep up. We're getting yeah. overflows from the surrounding towns and stuff on 911. There's fire here. There's yeah. this, that tree down here, tree into a house. That was horrifying. Yeah. yeah it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And that actually, cause <clears throat> I, I don't know what, st- it wasn't a name storm, but we had a very bad storm one night and I, I had worked, I think I'd worked during the, I don't know what it was, but now I'm at home and I knew um, the person who was going to be on, it was their first time on the desk. It was an officer. First time they'd ever been on the desk. And now this is happening. And my phone starting to start getting text messages. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go in. I, I'm not told. I said, do you want me to come in? Yes, please. And I came in and at that point, the chief was there. The town man, we're all trying. And the same thing. We're getting overflows from other towns, you know, and it was a storm where it was sudden flooding. And the worst thing you can ever do, especially in something like that, you know, you're, you're trying to deal with the town that you're working for and those people. Now you're getting calls from other towns and their 911 medical calls, severe calls, the, the one call that sticks out, 
you know, she's screaming, my landlord, he went out, he's plugging a generator in, I think he's getting electrocuted. It wasn't my town. I had to pass it off to them. I'm like, oh, and you, you, right, and do? You, and you're trying to tell them, you know, hey, you're getting this call, you're getting this call. But, and that's, that's, things like that is what all sits in the head. So, when, when did, when you <clears throat> first started dispatch, I'm going to take you back to when you first started, what was, what was your reality check? Because everybody, everybody who's sit, sat the desk in law enforcement capacity, one form or another, has that reality check. Yeah, the, rea- the reality check, I think, is like... You were probably still doing guide cards, because the way, just for people listening, the way it used to be before um, before there was emergency, emergency medical dispatch, right. we used to have pre-arrival instructions. Still do. So still do. Um, we used to have to be, have a certain certification to do it, and you're flipping up guide cards, and, and yep. some people didn't... <laughs> Some, some, you know, you're yelling to the guy, officer on the desk, hey, I'm starting compressions. All right, bear the chest because they're reading off the guide cards. <laughs> like, I got it, buddy. Yeah. yeah. We, we still we still have the guide cards. Um, it's kind of, you know, the guide cards are your savior. If you use the guide cards, you're covered. Mm. And I don't care if you're a doctor sitting in the desk, an EMT, that goes out. That if you use the guide cards that are put out by the state, as long as you follow what's on there, you're covered, no matter what happens. Um but back, you know, 20 years ago, we're talking completely different CAD systems, computer-aided dispatch, you know, green screens looking, which is the, that's what it's called. Any screen, screen, alley screen. Yeah, any yeah. alley, you know, <clears throat> you're talking MS-DOS-based programs. Um, so just, I mean, even then, the amount of information that we had to look up and just like, okay, not everybody lived the sheltered little lifestyle that I had, you know, where I thought everything was bunnies and roses and, you know, sunshine and happiness. Can you um, imagine how much this has changed since oh, we've been there? Yeah. We like, used to write reports yeah. when I first got there. Like NCIC, SCIC, <clears throat> we had to run all these people, and it was a nightmare because if you didn't sit the desk all the time, it was oh, it was yeah. trying to relearn, and you, you're trying to look and at instructions. codes and this password and that password. And, yeah, yeah. Well, so in, in the changed. beginning, we used to have the same password for everything. And then it started, you got to change it every three months. Yep. And then the other one was two months. Yep. So you started using a password, and then the other password would expire, and you get to so Do you remember you remember your town code? Because you used to have to put that in there when you were two three two. Yeah, it's oh seven one four. Yeah. So the password thing is still a thing, but now it has to be twelve or more characters with this character, yeah. that guy, and you're like, oh my has God. to be a capital, has to be a number, yeah. right? has to yeah, be a symbol. Strange character. So your dog's name and your data, you know, it goes out the window. But um But I've yeah. seen a lot of departments um undervalue dispatchers. And this is one of the reasons specifically that I wanted to have you in here, because they'll they'll think of them as like uh they're, they're luxury. More, they're, 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 it's like hired help. Yeah. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Yeah, without a doubt. So I'm actually, maybe it's just me that, you know, that I'm going to go with the, the departments I started with way back when were great, but I'm going to go with what I know now. Both departments, one more so currently, you know, I've been treated with the utmost respect. You should be. It's the public. Yeah. That does not understand. And I've been called this multiple times. So you don't know anything. You're just a secretary. You're just a dispatcher. What do you know? You know, put me on with a cop. And I've had people, and no disrespect to the public, because the first thing you're taught when you go for your your certifications, no matter what, especially nine one one, whatever that calls on nine one one, it's that person's worst. It's day. the most important it's thing going on in their life at that point. Or their worst yep. possible day. <clears throat> Absolutely. So maybe they stubbed their toe, and you're like, really stubbed. Okay, maybe he, that person has a very low tolerance for pain. You know, maybe it's setting something else off. Who knows? So you have to treat that. Um, so no disrespect to the public when they call, but the public is, uh, you're just a person answering a phone. You're just a phone operator. What do you know? I used to say all the time, we should have like one amnesty day a year when you're working a desk. Oh yeah. Someone calls up 100%. and says, someone's blocking my driveway. Well, fucking deal with it then. You know, what are you bothering us for? Or you get those, so you, you do get those mundane calls. We used to get calls. Hey, there's, the there's deer in my backyard. And yeah. I was like, they're, you're in their backyard. I hate to tell you. So... The first department, I, I'm now at this one department, but I was working for both. One was a very small town. This one's more, a little more metropolitan, a lot busier. Um, but we would get a lot of city transplants in the small, and I would get that. I had a call. There's a deer in my yard. It's staring at me. What am I going to do? I'm like. Talk to it. Just talk it down. I was like, look at it. Are you inside? Yes. P- practice your hostage fine. negotiation skills. You're fine. Well, I want it to go away. Send the police. I'm like, you know, I can't. It's wildlife. It's, it's normal. Is it injured? No. It's staring at me. I'm sorry, I can't. You know? Well, one of the nights I, I can remember, I got sent to a bear call. So there's a bear. That's a they're like, frightening. Go, they're like, go up and see, go up and, and see what you can do. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah, exactly. What am I going to wrestle it? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not Davy Crockett. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be able to grant him down. 
thankfully on in route there. Well, this is, this is really hard. Thankfully in route there, there was a self-inflicted gunshot wound that I had to veer <laughs> off and go there. Jump that call. Yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> I'll deal with this. I'd rather deal with this than the bear. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thank the public every day were it not for them. I would not have a job. We would not have a job, you know, but I, well, that's that gratitude that we spoke about is, very early. It is. Yeah. That's it what is. I always say about crime. Thank God it's crime. Yeah. yeah. Keeps us, yeah. Keeps, gives us a job. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but so many people, including, I'm not getting political, but just the state of New Jersey, you know, only recently recognized dispatchers as first responders. The federal government still working on that. 911 has been around since 1968. Which I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. Right now, dispatchers, public safety telecommunicators, <clears throat> classified under the Department of Labor as its support, administra- support office and administrative staff. Under protective service, where you have your law enforcement, you have crossing guards, parking enforcement, and I saw flaggers, the guys, you know, constr- yes, very dangerous. You're, you're, you know, dealing with kids, you're dealing with traffic. The liability isn't there. The liability for dispatchers is gigantic. Yes. So, so yes, yes. They, there, there are dangers to every <clears throat> position. There's dangers to everything. Well, it's, a, it's a high pressure situation. It is. Yeah. It's a every high pressure job. single phone call, you have no idea what's going to be yep. on the other end. Even if it's your regular, you see the number come up. Even if it's your regular person, you don't know. And especially when 911, because we have multiple 911 lines, when that lights up all at once, you know it's going to be big or you know it's going to be. And even with that, okay, maybe you have 15 people all calling about that accident. That 16 person in there might be the one who's having a heart attack. So you can't be 911. Okay, bye. You have to treat every single yeah, we got call. It. Yeah, we got right. it. Right. Because there could be that heart attack. Oh, you're calling about the accident? Yeah. Okay, we got it. So we got a, a – I, I worked in a town called Roseland, and we got – apparently, there. I didn't know this, but there's a town called Roseland, Indiana. Yes. Okay. There's and, a Lindhurst, Ohio. So I got a – I got a <laughs> – I was on the desk. I got a 911 call, a per, person laying into me. I can't believe you guys. You guys are disgusting. How could you treat a person that way? This person wasn't doing any – this is a 911 call. And I go, <laughs> who are you trying to call? And they're like, Roseland. I was like, okay. And she, it was some incident where somebody got dragged out of a council meeting. Right. Okay. And I'm like, this Roseland, New Jersey? And you heard the person on the other end go, um, I'll call you back. <laughs> it's Roseland, Indiana. <clears throat> my towns as well, same thing. Yeah. Other towns. And I've had some scary, like one of my first times at my, at my current place, one of the very first calls, I'm still in training because I had to learn their equipment. And I get a call. Yeah, my friend said he's going to shoot up the school, the high school. I'm like, Nice. Oh, crap. Click. Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. Now what? So I, you know, I turn to my partner. What are we doing? The DB gets involved. Long story short, it turns out it's a total other state. They thought they were being funny. I guess their Absolutely. state, you know, law enforcement Swat schooled them it. on that. No pun intended. Maybe but, yeah. they have different senses of humor in that state. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So. In a support capacity for the people out there on that are actually in front of that danger. Yes, you are removed from that danger, and that's 100% true. But that danger is very real to you because for some sense, you have a responsibility to those people who you're sending places. Yeah. How, how heavy is that responsibility lay on your shoulders? It's huge. It's huge because not only am I want to get the help to the people who are calling 911 as fast as possible, especially when you hear some of the things I hear over the phone. Now I'm sending what I consider my family out. Okay, they need to get there as fast as possible. They need to know what they're getting into without me going into novels. And I have. Sometimes I do talk too much on the radio. But they all. my, my end goal is every single one of them gets home at the end of the shift or comes back. You know, that's my end goal. I don't care who they are, whether I – luckily I like everybody, but – you know, that is my end goal. So now I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to save that person, but they have to get there. And this is, you know, this road's closed and this is, you know, by the way, they have a gun, you know? So, yeah. When you get one of those hot calls and you send people there, then you have dead air. That's the worst. That's the worst. The anxiety has got to be killing you at that point. And you don't feel like saying like, what's going on over there? You know? It's not not even just the calls when you're trying to reach out because there's a couple spots in town where it is. Yeah. The radio doesn't come through. And you just want to send them on a call, and you're and they're not answering, and then they don't answer their cell phone. You're like, oh god, <laughs> like, yeah. did something happen? Because the last contact I had when it was like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Do you um, do you have GPSs in the cars? Yes. So you could you could find out where that car is anyway. Usually, if yeah. it's if it's working correctly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to New Jersey. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the uh, but that so how do you deal with that stress of knowing that whatever you send these people to. They're in harm's way. 
at the time, I will admit, you know, during you're thinking about it, but you're not because then you're getting on the next call. And I think a lot of it comes, well, prime example. So there was a call once. Um, it was a 911 call I received regarding a child. The child's parent was on the way home, had gotten a call from somebody at home. The child was in medical distress, serious medical distress. My officers go, CPR in progress, all that stuff. The end of the call, they brought everybody in, included, and, you know, they had a couple um <clears throat> Grief counselors. Grief counselors come in. I believe Dr. I can't remember his Eugene name. Eugene Yes, he was there. And then somebody from that works a lot with the PBA union. Um, and I remember sitting up there and all I can think about is like, why am I here? I just took the call. I'm worried about these guys. I'm worried. And I don't, so I don't know other than, like, I don't know how I personally deal with it because I'm constantly worried about those guys. Because you, but that, that, that's probably what makes you a good dispatcher. Because, I was just going to say that. Yeah. <clears throat> because you care. Maybe you I should do, just I stop do. caring. I do. <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry it's about it. But you it's have to eat hard. a lot of that as well. Yeah. And that's what the concern is on the on those types of calls. It yeah. is. It is. There's there's only there's I've taken many memorable calls. There's only one call that still sticks with me and will probably stick with me until the day that I die. That one? Not that one. Expand. It was a call. <laughs> I'm about to. <clears throat> it was a call. Um two people left the house, you know. One's going to go to work. One's visiting. Hey, I'm going to go to work with you. Check out the area, whatever. Three minutes later, bad accident. One's deceased. One's in serious, serious condition. And I just, you know, the 911 calls came in. It came in completely. Oh, somebody tripped and fell. Somebody. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. And I tripped on the sidewalk. Okay. Everybody's getting out there. All of a sudden, one of the officers, yeah, could we get a blanket to cut on the air? I'm like, okay. It's a little more than just a trip and fall. Is it cold out there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now we, now we jump ahead. Everybody's out there. You know, they called all the people they have to call. Now the family starts calling three times. And the hardest thing I've ever had to do, we don't, you know, we don't lie. Sometimes we have to tell little. Skirt the truth. Skirt the truth. Because there's things that you cannot say yep. on a phone. You're not you, trained to say it. You can't you're say not the like, person. oh, they died. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely yeah, you not. You can't do that. And as a civilian, you're definitely not saying that, even in person, you know. I had to tell this family, look, I just, I take the call. Once I get the call, I don't know what happens. You know, I move on to the next thing. I have no idea what's going on. I don't, you know, I just sent them there. I don't even know. Knowing within 30 seconds, you know, I had just been told on the radio, a priest, a captain, and an officer were about to knock on their door and change their life forever. And that call still sits with me. One, this person walked out of their house. Hey, see you later. We're going to have, you know, maybe we'll have pizza for dinner, whatever. Love you. Three minutes later, they're dead. Yeah. Doing the most tough. simple, Mundane, easiest thing yeah. that you would never. Th I don't think that when I walk out my house. Yeah, who thinks that? Oh, I'm about to die. You don't. Hopefully, well, hopefully you don't. I've thought of that. So, <laughs> I thought of that walking out of a bar a couple nights. <laughs> and that was the time I do remember. So the same thing. Officers come in. The chief at that time. Hey guys, are you okay? You never said anything to me. Nancy, go do this. Carry on. Never said anything to me. At the time, I was like, all right, that's my, but I'm sitting there like, oh my God, oh my, I just lied to these people and their life is about to change forever. Yeah. And crazy. it was a bad, I mean, I can't go into details. It was a bad, horrible I, thing. I look at it from my own personal experience. The night of my shooting, there was an officer on the desk and he had to sit there and listen to us call out over the radio, not knowing what's going on. We're looking for information from him. He's looking for information from us. He's on the, he's on the 911 call with the guy who did the shooting and, I, I look back at what that guy went through and I can't imagine it. And and that's that's not an uncommon thing amongst dispatchers. They right. just you you have this helpless feeling. You do. You do. I have recordings of my shooting, the radio recording. <clears throat> the people stepping on each other. Yeah. The dispatcher saying, What's your location? What's your location? And and at that point, I mean, we had guns drawn. We weren't about to get on the radio and say, you know, oh, we're over here, you know. Right. So, I mean, and just the people that were stepping on each other the whole time the and nobody. people stepping on each other. Then <clears throat> in a situation like that, you know, you have spam the State Police Entertainment Network. Yeah. <laughs> where sometimes Knock it, it off, Fort Bergen. Bergen. Yeah. Where sometimes it is serious. Okay, what's going on? What do you got? Hey, you know, so-and-so. And, -so, and you're like, I, I can't answer you. I can't, you know, I'm trying yeah. to get these guys. Because the department, you know, where this incident happened, it was, a, it was me on the desk. And we did everything. Police, fire, EMS. Where I am now, I have at least one partner. Um, 
But when you're doing everything and you're trying you're like, I, and you get frustrated, but you want to make sure everything goes smoothly. That particular call, I think I played the recording back. Did I do anything wrong? I had absolutely nothing to do yeah. with the incident that transpired. I got people there when they were supposed to. And then from once the officers, the super get out there, you're basically doing what they're telling you. Call this person, call that. But still, you're playing it back. Did I do it right? Did I do it? Did I say something wrong? But the did I curse? Yeah. <laughs> but the even the incident, as awful as it was, like I've dealt with calls like that. It was the lying or the small. I, I hate to say lying, but the small skirting, the, skirting truth. the truth, as you said, to the family. Well, you have to have a little bit of tact. And that's in under stressful situations. So if if a civilian, a regular civilian who's not involved in law enforcement, think about how you act under stress. There are times when you're sitting behind a microphone and you're looking at this. I don't know what the boards look like now, but I remember it looked like I was a 1920s telephone operator nope. behind mine. It's one computer screen pulling, with pulling the plugs like the old yeah, one ringy dingy. Everything's computerized. It's everything's. like, you know, if, if you want to answer a phone, you had to press a button and then pick up yeah. the phone. That's, no, everything's that's, computer. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's, that's a stressful thing. You just, you're all of a sudden you're in the middle of the matrix and you look at it long enough. You, you get it, you yeah. understand it, but you're kind of looking at the matrix and trying to still do your job. And there's an enormous amount of liability that if you screw up right. and there's legal action that falls right. back on you. So yeah, there, uh, pressure. And every little thing that you say is recorded. Yep. <clears throat> Be it 911 call, administrative call, everything is recorded. And sometimes, you know, Maybe you get one of your coworkers, they're calling, oh, hey, you know, Joe, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And then now all of a sudden, well, that call's mixed in with another call. So I actually had, you know, one of my supervisors came to me one day like, hey, I know you're friendly. You know everybody, especially when it's a smaller town, you know everybody who's calling. You got to stop being so nice on the phone because that went into a court case where they also asked for this recording. And I'm like, okay, but how do I, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's Everything's discoverable. Everything. Well, Oprah well, so, was the, yeah. so cell phones, cell phones have changed that a little bit. You know, you can have some personal communication. You can. You can. But even, I mean, you know, you get your frequent callers. You're not giving out your cell phone number to them. No, no. I'm like, talking hey, officer to oh, officer. Officer to officer. Officer to officer. Yeah. yeah. But even then you have to be careful because you can say, hey, call my cell or, hey, I'm, I sent it to your cell. Because once that's out on the air, mm. that then, becomes discoverable. Can, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. That's why so, you got to have a nice code. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're busy, you forget. Yeah. Yeah. See, you know, you know what I always found amazing about dispatcher? You send an officer to a call. That's his call. Right? Yeah. That's his call to let's say worry about. Right. You might have like five other calls backed up and you got yep. five calls you're worried about. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where that officer, it's his only call. But the dispatcher we used to have officers work the desk. <laughs> we didn't have dispatch. We had them for a short time. But when we were in lineup, we'd give the guys their assignment and the guy who worked his desk, we used to say you got the stick. Because the stick drives everything, right? You know, and yeah. and the dispatcher is the one that drives that whole shift. Boy, you know that was that was like a slow death to me when I got assigned to the desk. I hate. I did not like working the desk. I have had officers who don't normally work the desk who have worked the desk. I don't like it. Put me on the road. I'd rather work out there and deal with all that than. And I'm like, I don't understand like the big well, to do, I, I but knew, I'm used to it. You know? I knew there was a there was a, <laughs> a big feeling of helplessness yep. when you're sitting behind a microphone. <laughs> I, I like to be outside in the open air. Even to this day, I like to be outside. I can't stand the confinement yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so I I never really fit well in there. Yeah. I did it because I had to. Yeah. That was my job. But on midnights, the desk chairs are a lot more comfortable than a police chair. Even the then. police car chair, I should you say. Know, <laughs> e even, <laughs> even then, I just, I, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Like I, it's not. It's not for a lot not. of. People, most of the people I work with now who are in there, they're kind of getting close to the end of their career, you know. Um, and even then, you know, I've, I've one of them has been on the road recently. You know, he went out. It was first time out in a long time. And now I'm sending him on. Oh, there's a possible felony vehicle. Like, really? This is what you're sending me out on? Like, I haven't been out in years. And this is, you know, but he made a joke about it. Right. But that's the other thing. You know, Mike mentioned, like, OK, the officer has one call. You have five in there. But that's the other thing I worry about. All right. I just sent Mike to that call. Then you get a triage. Yeah. Now I'm triaging. Oh, well, there's like three more calls in Mike's zone, but he's taking this big. Now I got to send him to this this because these guys are busy. And you start thinking about that because you guys are human. You get tired and you don't want to piss off. You know, you do. You worry about like, oh, I know they've been to like, and I guess it's their job, but you still worry about that because you don't want to wear somebody down. Now they've got like, you know, seven reports in the queue, but sometimes you just have to do that. But it's not all gloom and doom. No. There are some, there are probably, I'm going to venture to say you laugh quite a bit. Yes. And <laughs> yes. So my, my here's the way I used to get back whoever was working the desk if if they did something that 
maybe I didn't like too much. I wasn't mad at him, but I wanted to get, I wanted to let him know, hey, cut the shit. I would run a license plate and whatever name, you know, some of these names have like 32 letters oh, yeah. at the end of them. Yeah. Give me a, I think it was 1020. Give me a 1028 on this, this vehicle. It comes back to, uh, okay, who's the owner operator? And <laughs> listen to like, who, what's the name? And I would just make them read the name. Just yeah. spell it out phonetically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was part of the fun. But what's the funniest thing that you've ever experienced where you actually chuckled about it? Well, it's more so like the calls, some of the calls that I've gotten rather than with the guys. The The big thing that I've now, that I use with the guys is I've discovered I'm older than most of them, like significantly, 17 to 20 years. I didn't, you don't think it. And then I realized like, oh, so I did recently, you know. So you start like, making Cosby show jokes and it'll, it doesn't oh. land. <laughs> Flintstones jokes. Yeah. <laughs> if I say nobody puts baby in the corner, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, of about? course. Right. Of course. I said that to somebody one day, they're like, huh? Yeah. I'm like, Dirty Dance. Oh, I love, I'm like, the movie. Never saw it. I'm like, oh. Yeah, how do you, like, yeah. I know so, cops that have never seen the movie The Other Guys. I'm like, how are you a cop? Like, what is. The uh, Yeah, how do you not see The Other Guys? Yeah, it's just, it's, but, you know, we're getting older. The cops are getting younger. And so sometimes you're like, look, I'm technically old enough to be your mother. You will respect me. You'll be nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I would say the funniest thing, again, I love the public. The public thinks the police has the answer to every single Everything. question on the planet. And they think that they know every cop in the world. Yes. Oh, you're a cop? My cousin's yes. a cop in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Do you know him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Or, yeah. I, I ran into him once. Or, I know I know your chief. And then they completely yeah. butcher the name. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know. But I've had somebody call <laughs> I know your chief. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's a good guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me a license registration insurance. <laughs> One call I got, somebody called up. I answered the phone. It was not 911. Yeah, how can I help you? Can you tell me what side of the car the steering wheel is on? I'm like, excuse me? Can you tell me what side of the car the steering wheel is on? I'm like, I guess it depends on how you're looking at it. I'm thinking sitting in it to the left. Okay, thank you. Click. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> Tried to call back the number, <clears throat> you know, because sometimes you get calls and it turns out, I guess I had a call like that where the guy was saying somebody's breaking into my house and then things he started saying are like, oh, Maybe we're having a medical episode here, you know. Tried to call the number back. No answer. I was like, all right, you know. Maybe I answered a bet. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you got Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> Let <laughs> yeah, him like, out. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, mean, we had a, an older lady. First time she called, she was on set of Al Alzheimer's. <clears throat> she called us up on a midnight shift. She's whispering into the phone. There's people in my attic. So we sent flying up there. They're breaking into my house. There's people in my attic. We go up there. The attic is a crawl space. Couldn't be anybody there. So now we realize the lady's getting Alzheimer's. So we said, we scared them away. We told them never to come back anymore. They're not going to come back. Said, but what you should do to stop these people from coming into the house, take tinfoil and put it over your appliances. Oh, oh no. I've done this too. <laughs> that, that'll keep everybody out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A couple weeks later, we get called back there. And the lady's daughter's there. We walk in. There was tinfoil on Everything. Oh. The TV. She had a stereo. Oh. The toaster oven. <laughs> Everything. So the lady's daughter was there and she goes, uh, officer, can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> sure, what's up? She goes, um, who told my mother to put, <laughs> put tinfoil over everything? I said, it was me. She goes, that was great. That is, oh. <laughs> that is fantastic. Wait, no, I can't go that <clears throat> far. But, you know, if I get things like that where I know – some people you know, but you can't just treat it. Okay, well, sorry. You know, you have to send an officer. They, I need to speak to an officer. All right. So you'll put the notes in the cat and you'll just say, because everybody, you don't, you never know who's listening, especially mm. with technology today. You'll just say notes are in the cat and you'll put, like, you know, possible whatever, um, especially with our frequent flyer callers. It was so much more fun back when I first got on because, yes, stuff was recorded, but it not wasn't, like it's it not like it is today. Yeah. We had a guy, he used to dispatch his Beavis and Butthead. I'm not kidding you. Okay. He used to dispatch his Beavis and Butthead. It was the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, so, but there are times when it's fun. You, a lot of pressure, very serious. And just like police officers, how do you break that tension is through a little bit of humor. And that's how yeah. you become family. Yeah. We had, I was on a desk one day. We had a car fire. <clears throat> it was late at night. So we I sent one of the old timers down to it. And he was the guy, whenever you sent him to call, he goes, well, it must be my lucky day. I'm right in the area. So... Sent him to this car fire, and I said, is the car occupied? 
And he goes, if they are, they're fanut. <laughs> <laughs> that is why you could never be a cop. Because if you ever go to a car fire, and what do you see in movies? Oh, okay. Like the car's on fire and the gas tank blows up. Well, that doesn't really happen. But what does right. happen is the tires explode. Yes. And that'll pucker your asshole a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're afraid of balloons. I, I've done yeah. that with, with newer guys <laughs> where I've seen a car fire and they're looking at it. And I got my cell phone camera up and I'm videotaping because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Sure enough, boom. And you get, you you know, they, yeah. they think the gas yeah. tank, they go running yeah. behind the guide rail. But uh, If we can continue with that, because I was hoping that would come up. The one thing I want to tell people we triage you, as you said. 911 is absolutely nothing like what you see on TV. Yeah. Police work is not what you see <clears throat> on TV. It never will be. We don't have commercial breaks. We, right, exactly. We don't solve everything in 45 minutes. Yep, exactly. It's not. And I have had people who called. Well, you know, I saw this guy. I watch a lot of Law and yeah. Order. Yeah, exactly. CSI. So, mm-hmm. prime example, somebody called. This person was out there. They, you know... They were drinking something. They put it in my garbage can. Okay. Was your garbage can on the street? It was. Okay. You know, on the street. Technically, it's rude that they did that, maybe, but it's on the street. You know, it's something. So when are you sending the detectives out to fingerprint it? Should I wrap it up? Should I save it? I'm like, um, we don't do that. Well, don't you want to know? What if they cause trouble? You know, and you, but you have to be nice. You have, yeah. And it's easy to be nice, but sometimes you're thinking like, okay. You can't flat out say it. It's not like what happens on TV. Well, they, uh, so we're of the age where the World War II vets started mm-hmm. to die off. Mm-hmm. So what the World War II vets used to do is they used to bring home war trophies. Uh, I don't know if you had this in, in Lynnhurst. A lot of them brought home grenades. Yep. Grenades, I've yep. had those calls. <clears throat> uh-huh. in the, there's a grenade in the attic. Shells. Can you bring in, can't you send in like the, the robot? And like, no, it yeah. no, it's going to be a guy going in there and getting it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if somebody were... So inclined to get into this profession, which I believe is a is a rewarding profession. It's a difficult profession, but it's rewarding. It's a necessary. What do you think your advice would be doing it for as long as you have would be to that person getting involved? First of all, definitely get your certifications before you come. You know, if it's something, I guess it costs money, but a lot of people, I'm not doing it until I get the job or I'm not going to do it until I see. You can easily just, especially in New Jersey, you just Google, um, because the state police has a just Google New Jersey PST or public safety telecommunicator. The state comes up with a list of, of places you can go. I, I want to say, I know, as you said in the beginning, you know, a lot of people come in, I'm doing this because I want to become a cop. Try not to be that person. Or if that's your interest, come part time, you know, because dispatch, it'll give you a little experience. You'll get to know people. It's not going to. It'll learn jade you. It'll yeah. jade you. You're not going to learn the police job. It's entirely different. It's entirely different. And I've seen it go both ways. I've seen people get hired off the desk, but I've also people seen people get pushed out and yeah. would never get hired because, hey, if you're a shitty dispatcher, right, you're probably going to be a shitty cop too. Well, because the police work is the police world is ruthless. Yep. And these dis- dispatchers see how cops treat each other. Yes. Because, like you said, like Kevin always says, it's like crabs in a barrel. You know, one's trying to get out, and the other one's grabbing it and pulling it back down. Yeah. It's a ruthless business. Have a sense of humor, <clears throat> if you can. Don't You're, take anything too seriously. Don't serious. take anything too seriously. Kind of jump in. I remember the first day I started at my current place, somebody came in. They said, oh, so sorry. And, it's so, and I just answered right back. They're like, oh, I really like you, you know, because it just, you know, you're conditioned. But it doesn't mean that's who you are as a person, but it helps. It gets you through the rough times, you know. And um, You have borne witness. We're coming to the end of this thing here. Mm-hmm. And you have borne witness to some real suffering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. And you've had to send people to people at their worst days, and you've had some really difficult days. There's a lesson in it, though. And what do you think that suffering has taught you? That suffering has taught me that I'm definitely, I am the person who, you know, I still want to help you. I don't care what your mood is, what your, I want to help you. But I also have to, at the end of the day, at the end of my shift, go home and kind of put it aside. And help myself a little bit. And that's been a big problem. That's what a lot me. of people don't do. A lot of yeah. people in the business don't do that and they keep eating it. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's, that's a big, cause I will get home. Sure. I'll think about the calls, but then my phone will ring people that have like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you, and I'll answer every text, every phone call instead of I'm off now. Ask somebody else, or I know you know how to do this. 
You just can't yeah. leave people in the lurch. It's not, I don't I think that's in your nature. <clears throat> I can't. And remember, people don't call 911 to tell you that dinner's done. Well, they're, they're calling you because there's a reason for it. I can't say that hasn't been done. <laughs> that, that is one thing I want to express, you know, even if it's the last thing I say tonight. Cell phones, everything. Everybody accidentally dials 911. Please don't hang up. Yeah. We're going to call you back. We're going to call you back. You're not in trouble. Just say, hey, I pocket dialed. Or I was trying to turn my phone, especially with the iPhones, I think. You got to hit it three times. Sometimes it goes into emergency mode or you're trying to turn it off. Just stay in the line. You're not in trouble. We're not coming after you. I just need to know, hey, is everything okay? Did you do it by accident? That's We're coming it. anyway. We're coming anyway, yeah. 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 So thank you very much for coming in and talking me. about this. Is there anything you want to throw out as a plug? Not really. Honestly, I mean, dispatchers, if you you can reach out to me on Instagram, you know, DM me, NEN1020. We need dispatchers. Dispatchers just in general, not just my departments. It's We need them. There's a we shortage. We need them. Massive shortage. Yeah. Yeah. Massive shortage. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And thank you. keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing. And say thank hi to you. my friend that works in your department. I certainly <laughs> I'm will. I'm sure she'll be watching. I will yell. <laughs> thank no, you, guys. She, you speak in normal tones. She'll, she's, but she'll, she's amazing. She'll I love yell. Yeah. She'll yell. You always know when she's there. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of a Dispatcher. And let's think about all the stuff that we learn. Keep balloons away from Nancy. It's <laughs> the first thing I learned. <laughs> she comes back to... One day. Yes. You know where I know there's going to be balloons and dispatch. Be balloons. When, oh, when yeah. this goes out, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Never, ever, ever say that it's quiet. Yeah. Unless you've done the job, it's really hard to criticize it. But most importantly, police can't do their jobs without people like you, without our yeah. dispatchers. And that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to go to popple.com, get your digital business card, put in the code TSP20 for a 20% discount. Follow us on all social media. That's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, OnlyFans. <laughs> follow Mike at Mike, <laughs> follow Mike at Mike underscore fillets. Follow me at real Kevin Donaldson. And of course, follow the suffering podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode.